Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. It is a brand new edition of Flyers Daily. It is a New Year's Day edition. It's a brand new year, and uh, it is a Monday. So a lot of things. This is what you call a confluence of events. It is a Mondays with Meltzer on the brand new day of a brand new year, 2024. Everybody have a great, happy new year and safe one as well. And joining us right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, happy new year. The first one to say it too because my wife's been asleep since the second period like yours. (laughs) Yeah, same same going on here. Uh, uh, happy New Year to you and yours, and now to our listeners. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the crazy thing is, is we spend we spend New Year's pretty much every year uh, watching Flyers, at least kind of after dark hockey, and yeah. um, it's been a tradition. But Bill, they've knocked out a lot of huge road trips uh, before the second half, uh, unofficial second half of the season even begins with 2024. Yep. Uh, they've got the California trip, by the way, the Alberta Clipper, Vancouver, Seattle, even Dallas. And uh, the only one where they go out of the time zone, the remainder of the season is one in Chicago that I think is a seven 30 and they have an eight o'clock game against uh, the New Jersey devils for the stadium series. But a lot of the heavy lifting travel wise is out the door. Almost, almost all of it. Uh, Minnesota, Winnipeg will be central time yeah. zone. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then other than that, after, after they play Edmonton, they're not, they're not out in mountain or, or they're done already done with the Pacific. So uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much all, all Eastern time um, for most of the rest of the year. Bill, let's talk about the game that took place last night. First and foremost, the Calgary game. Um, I'd put out a tweet prior to the game that I thought that I remember when the schedule came out, I thought this was the toughest schedule spot. Yeah. of the entire season. And I was listening to 32 thoughts and I know Fridge and Jeff Merrick were talking. Uh, I think it was Kelly Rudy that said any team that comes out of the holiday break should not have to fly over two hours. Uh, the flyers flew about six and a half yeah. to Vancouver, then jumped the border in a back to back to go to Seattle, then jump back over the border to play three and four. And mind you against a team in Calgary that played Wednesday and hasn't played since. Yeah. So I thought this was a really difficult spot for them to be in. I'm not surprised by the result. I am a little surprised by the resolve to the final horn, though. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, it, it would have been really easy after the, uh, you know, after the four on four goal against Cadres, uh, you know, that uh, I mean, because Gilbert's goal, you know, that really that, that was a kind of a backbreaker. You're, you're going to the third period tied one one. You're trailing by one. You're still in the game, though. You're still still a shot away, and then you you give up a give up a four on four goal like that, and it's just easy to get deflated and kind of mail in the rest of the game. They they didn't, and that's one of the things, you know. I know Torts wasn't in much of a mood to, uh, you know, excuse to, me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to do, yeah. I mean, but but yeah, I mean, you, you come to the game, you know. With really, a, yeah, as extreme of a fatigue factor disadvantage as you're going to have, yeah, you know, and I mean, you don't, you don't ever want to use that as a built-in excuse, and, and nobody did, but they look, they looked to me in that game like a tired team tends to look. They were sloppy. Um, they were over relying on Erson for long stretches of that game. Erson um, was was brilliant through the first two periods, absolutely brilliant. And yeah. it's the only reason they were, they were leading one another. They could have easily given up four or five goals, you know, in the first 40 minutes and been really on, you know, out of the game or on the ropes. Um, you know, they, they found ways to, they found ways to, well, to get to the third period tied one, one largely through the goaltending. 
Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Twitter also many times it defined a way league, and the Flyers really kind of came close to finding a way in a game that was going in, going and, and you know, going to be tough to win. Not only and not only because, uh, as you were saying, that they were, you know, Calgary's only played once since Christmas. Um, so this is the Flyers' third game in four nights, and it was their their first game since Wednesday uh, for yeah. Calgary, um, and all at home. They, they've been at home this entire time. Yeah. So, you know, plus the Flyers, and every team goes through this to some stretch of the year. You know, I don't know how much of the locker room is dealing with some kind of flu bug, but there's a lot a of lot sick of players in the team right now. Yeah, a lot, a lot of players are, are less than 100%. So I, I think you kind of come away from that game, you know, philosophically, hey, I, I thought it could have been I thought it been a lot worse. I thought the Flyers really, they weren't lacking for scoring chances of their own. Mm-hmm. I, 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 to me, the, the resolve was there. There were points of the game where, you know, there there's foot races and you, the Flyers look like the tired team in the foot races, not yeah. not getting some pucks first, losing some battles. The the middle of the ice is open far too often for Calgary. Yeah. I mean, that that was one of the sloppier defensive games the Flyers have played. Structurally, right? Structurally, yeah. Structurally, yeah. That, that was certainly lacking, which is, again, it, it, it's kind of par for the course. Now, that that... that you know, if that happens in Edmonton, the Flyers are going to get their doors blown off. I mean, they're they're going to have to tighten things up in that game. But but I think all things considered, you know, to to come away with a four three loss to hang in there literally to the final buzzer, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you never you never want to make excuses for a loss. You never, you know, there, there's there's only so many moral victories. There really aren't any. But yeah, but by by the same token, I you you could take. The road trip so far, and I still think overall it's been a success, especially the win in Vancouver. So I, you, you take where the Flyers were at the end of last calendar year versus this calendar year, and it's a night and day difference. Yeah, I mean, the amount of change that has taken place and movement in the right direction. And I've mentioned, Bill, they've, they've gotten off the treadmill of walking but going nowhere or walking forward perceivably, but you're actually moving backwards because the treadmill is moving faster than you're walking. And they seem to be doing that. I want to make a point real quick and and ask you about this. I mentioned this on yesterday's pod. Um, If it weren't for these two areas of the game, where the Flyers have been so much better this year, I I think they'd be in the seventh spot in the division. They'd be where Calgary is, frankly. Um, And it's the defensive zone structure, the five-man unit, the way they defend and how they defend less as a result. And then the PK. Not only you know the nine shorthanded goals, but also the fact that they have the fourth ranked penalty kill on just raw numbers percentage wise in the NHL. If they don't have this the structure defensively, the PK where it is, and goaltending is obviously a big part of both of those things. Um, they're sitting in the seventh. It's probably six to nine standings points difference. That yeah. that's how much of that's how much defending and killing penalties matters for, for sure. And um not not so much last night's game we were just talking about, but I think that if you look at some of the recent weeks, the Flyers, if you look at the underlying numbers, um, you know, possession-wise, they've been moving backwards a little bit. Yeah. But they've, uh, when they've been in bend but don't break mode, they've mostly kept play to the outside. This this was an outlier game where they were giving up the middle of the ice a lot. Last, last year, the Flyers were getting killed off of, of plays out of the corner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes plays up high, backdoor goals, which you know, I mean, backdoor goals uh, that 
they're killers because your goalie most often can't. can't stop them. Yeah. You know, unless the shooter makes a mistake and puts it into the goalie. And, and then the goalie starts cheating off the post to get over the other side. And then something short side goes in. It's, you know, the, those kind of, those kind of things that snowball uh, on the whole the flyers have avoided that so far this season. It, it's why the flyers have been in, in the top third of the league and, and go team goals against. So yeah. I, I think that they, those, those two things, absolutely. Um, defense transition offense flyers have scored a lot of goals in transition so far this year. And um, you know, and obviously the PK. Has been great. Yeah. I mean, both Flyers and Calgary go into that game last night, having played 35 games, and each team averaged the same exact amount of goals per game, 2.94 goals per game. The difference in the record is five more wins for the Flyers and 10 more standings points because the Flyers' goals allowed per game is 2.69 to Calgary's 3.23. So I I get like everybody wants to see goal scoring, and you're going to need more goal scoring, no doubt about it. Uh, but keeping the puck out of your net has been the harbinger. That's been the reason why they are where they are in the standings, not because they're they're putting in five goals a game. It, it uh, That's unrealistic, I think, for this team at this point. So let's go to the next co- element of that conversation about putting the puck in the net, Bill. Where do we go with Cam Atkinson? I thought he actually played a really good game in Calgary. Yeah. I thought he was effective. He gets the assist on the, on the one goal and the feed to Bobby Brink. Um, he was getting fed a lot of minutes and, Travis Konechny, obviously, is very banged up um, coming off that shot block and that hit late in the game against Seattle. And, and Atkinson got a little bit more playing time and I think situational use as a result. Uh, but the fact of the matter is Cam Atkinson needs to score goals, and it's been 21 games since he's done exactly that. Yeah, um, and, and it's clearly in his head, as, yeah. as, as it would be for really for any player. You know, he's one off that- the rump. Yeah, well, that, that's how it's going to happen. So, something off his shin pad, off his backside, yep. you know, um, you know, some scramble to net, and he, he jams in a, a third effort goal. I mean, nothing pretty. It, it won't. It probably won't be a snipe upstairs, but just one to relax him a little bit. Um, there, there was a chance of a turnover in last night's game too, where, you know, I mean, you're used to used to seeing Atkinson bury some of those and a, a fair number of those. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was one of the guys who did seem to have energy in the game and, and, um, you know, had, had scoring opportunities and he's been getting scoring opportunities in, uh, you know, if you look at now that December is completed, I I think he was third on the team in scoring chances among the forwards. Um, and you know, I mean, he couldn't buy one, not one all month. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, more games such as, as this one though, I, there'll be a breakthrough at a certain point, but hopefully, hopefully sooner than later. I feel like we've been saying that for any number of weeks now. But yeah, you need him scoring. You need to get uh, Tyson Forster scoring again. Yeah, Forster, Forster. I, I thought um, you know, although although Torts didn't have a, a positive assessment of his game tonight. Um, you know, I, I think I think it was Smitty who asked him, and uh, he said, "Nah, he was he wasn't going tonight. Most most guys weren't." But I, don't I, I actually, didn't like he didn't get pucks deep a few times. I think that's what he yeah. didn't like. Well, that, that was that was yeah that, that was that was a piece of it. Yeah. But um, you know, but you know, Forrester still is ultimately guy. Ultimately, guy, you you want to need scoring goals, and yeah. I, I thought that he took a step forward offensively in this game because he was there were a lot of games where he wasn't getting any shots or or only one shot or you know passing up open attempts, which is what he was doing at the very start of the season. Um. 
So, I mean, that that's another guy who you want to have scoring. You need defrost scoring a little bit more. I know he had goals in back-to-back games, one of which was a, a lucky one. But, um, you know, but I mean, these, these are your supporting guys. It, it can't always be it can't always be Couturier and Atkinson. You need you need some other guys scoring too. Um, you know, kind of that every night a different guy stepping up mode, particularly while particularly while um, while TK is banged up. You, you need you need some other yeah. guys stepping up. Um, I mean, it's going to be scoring by committee all year. Um, but it's it's not that they're without skill. They're, they're just um, you know, I, it, it's just that they don't have they don't have Great A scoring guys. They'll need they need a little more consistency out of Tippett. I think I think Tippett has had stretches where he's been really really good, and there've yeah. been stretches where I think they've needed a little bit more out, out of Owen. Um, you know, ton tons of shots on goal. I mean, yeah, um, you know, lead, leading the team by a wide margin in that, and he's actually had the most scoring chances on the team too. Um, you know, fewer fewer pucks and missed the net and rim out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I. I Tippett's guy can score from a variety of different spots in the offensive zone. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the things I, I with Owen, I'd like to see him do a little bit more is that a lot of his goals, and now that he's at a pretty, you know, what his second full season, two and a half seasons, two and two and a quarter seasons with the Flyers now. One thing I've noticed about him is he creates a ton of his own scoring chances. Yeah. And he's actually good at creating some chances for line mates, but he's not a great get open. And, and get a pass in the slot. I, I agree. Yeah. To find a spot. Yeah. And then, and then a player like Frost can know he's going to be at that spot and deliver him the puck. Um, I, I'd like to see Owen. This may seem like a, a harsh term in the way I say it at first. I'd like to see him up the IQ of his shots. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can't shoot to score. And, that, and I know that seems counterintuitive, but you got to shoot for, the rebound. Yeah. yeah. I think you got to up the IQ of the shot. I, I thought Kevin, I used to say it about Kevin Hayes a lot. I thought his IQ of his shots were very low. You know, the Flyers would yeah. have a, a team hemmed in on the power play and they're working the puck around and he'd take a dead angle shot into the goalie's chest. Right. To me, that right, was right. like as low an IQ a shot as you can yeah. get. Rather than right, right, yeah, rather than at the, at the pa- far side pads or rebounds yeah. to the open side of the net. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, middle pad, you know, yeah. puck on pad. I, I always said that, and I think that, that that's something that Owen Tippett needs to add into his game. And I guarantee you, Atkinson's never gone 62 NHL shots without scoring goal. That's the number he's at right now. He's seven shots in the Calgary game. Um, Bill, let's look back at 2023 real quick because it was a monumental shift of a season and an off-season for the Flyers from, as you mentioned before, uh, where we were on New Year's Day heading into 2023 and where we are on New Year's Day heading into to 2024. And, you know, some I mean, the biggest storylines to me are, are obviously the shift of from Chuck Fletcher to Dan Breer, Keith Jones. And, and I don't want to miss the element of from Dave Scott to Dan Helferty, I think, is a big one. Obviously, Couturier returning and being the Sean Couturier numbers-wise, that was – pretty much exactly the same Sean Couturier, actually a little bit more minutes played this year than he was in 1920 when he won the Selkie. I mean, the numbers are exact points wise and for the most part. And then you look at obviously, you know, the, the, the growth of some of the young players, the trade that didn't happen with Sanheim, but Hayes and Provorov being out of here and the effect that has. But I 
I, I look back on 2023 and I still say the biggest thing in the, the, the entire thing that happened was the fact that the logo is not cut in half with the red line anymore. Okay. It's the symbolic nature of a franchise that's refound its identity and the standard for which it operates. Oh, oh for sure. And, and it's not, it's not only on the ice. It's uh, everywhere. <laughs> it, it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere yeah. in the organization. You you can, you know, it's sometimes hard to describe unless you're around it mm-hmm. day in and day out. I think the fans but, are feeling it, Billy, because they're showing up and they're entertained. Yeah. And oh, yeah. oh, for sure. Well, it, it has. You know, I mean, <laughs> winning cures cures a lot of things, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's it's nice going into the building and seeing most of the seats filled again. Hopefully, it'll get to back to a point where the seats are filled every game. But the the energy level, which I mean, it's it starts on the ice, of course. You know, I mean, fan. I mean, the ultimate example, um, and I'll use a baseball example. The Citizens Bank Park was a madhouse, you know, this season. And because the Phillies were fun to watch. And, you know, they they gave the fans a reason to stand up and cheer, a reason to feel like they were never out of a game if they were trailing. Um, Then what happened in the last couple games of the playoffs, you know, fans were were ready to cheer. You know, we're, we're just begging for something to cheer about. And it wasn't there because the bats went silent. Yeah. Um, same, you know, and in, in hockey too. I mean, Flyers fans will will jump right in, and the passion is there if you give them you give them a reason to be passionate. And uh, I, I think that they they can sense that uh, you know it's, it's a different feeling on the team. They they play different, and and I think that um, I think it's something that the vast majority of time has been. Pretty, pretty entertaining to watch. And I, I think that that's something where fans can pick up on that. So, um, you know, if they, they keep on winning, that'll keep building too. I, I think a deterrent for fans the last couple of years, Bill, was also the inconsistency of messaging. Yeah. If you wanted to know where the Flyers were going, what they were trying to do, and you wanted a different answer, just ask somebody else. You got yeah. different answers pending who you asked, whether that was John Tortorella, who was saying, hey, we're in a rebuild already ahead of the curve. And you know, there was just different answers being given. And, and that is confusing to fans. I don't know how it is in other cities. I don't care. But yeah. I think it's really important in this city um, to be upfront, honest, transparent as much as you can um, and consistent in the message that you're. And we've seen Keith Jones out there and Danny Breer of late being right out there saying we're in a rebuild. We're not changing anything. Because yeah. the team is, it's great that the team's performing well. It's giving us leverage and making our players more attractive and all of those things. But we're not changing what we're doing because of this. And I don't think there's ever been an inconsistency in that message. So there's no reason to doubt it until they give you a reason to doubt it. No, well, for for sure. And I, I think there there's two components to it. You know, you you touched very eloquently on the messaging side of it. I, I also think it's the perception uh, of the hockey people. And I, I don't, I didn't feel that anybody was ever trying intentionally to deceive, but I think, uh, you know, let's say it, Chuck Fletcher looked at that, that 19, you know, the 2019, 2020 season where, uh, where the team really exceeded expectations and um, they got within a win of the Eastern conference finals with, with tweaks, really. They, they yeah. didn't make, they didn't make big changes that year. Lost Patrick um, signed Hayes. Brought in Niskanen, right, and Tyler Pitlick, and Tyler Pitlick, and that, that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that 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 was the extent of it. And um, 
And I, I think that it was always in Chuck's mind, you know, just a couple tweaks here and there, we can get back to that again. And, and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, after, after AV was replaced by Torts and Torts is look, looking at what he sees there. He's like, no, this, this, this is going to take time. Yeah. It's, you know, so I, I don't, I don't think they were ever actually on the same page. I, yeah. I, I never, I didn't, I didn't feel like, um, you know, anybody was trying to see, deceive anybody. I just think they looked at it differently. Yeah, I think their evaluation of the situation was yeah. vastly different. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, uh, you know, uh, I, I think what what Tord saw, what prob- problem? Not probably. It, it was the reality that that more more was needed, and even you know, even with the Flyers a uh, couple days ago, were in second place in the Metro. Torts has never strayed from from his messaging either. Hey, listen, there are going to be bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. There, there are going to be times where you know maybe we we lose several in a row, and the standings as closely packed as they are, there's going to be volatility. I mean, a couple of losses and you find yourself on, you know, you know, on the wrong end of the playoff bubble. So I, I think, I think Torts has his eyes open on that, but I, but so did, so did Jonesy and Danny. And, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, so I think that the messaging is consistent, but also, also the perception situation. I think everyone's on the same page. Now. Um, Bill. So 2024 is upon us. And it's, it is the new era of orange era of orange, whatever. Um, But what are the next steps? I mean, as we go into 2024 for the remainder of this season, I think there's still some big question marks and, you know, Owen Tippett and and Morgan Frost, will they have the second half they had last year being in that very tight divisional race? How does that affect things? Is the play of Travis Sanheim, the sustainable and is this the player that he now is in his prime um you know the volatility of Hart's health um with whatever he's dealing with is that going to keep him out for periods of time and does that expose Arison to more playing time and maybe more than he's ready for there's so many questions you know Sean Couturier still has a question mark that's following him who's going to be dealt at the deadline is it going to be Walker Sealer Ristoline and anyone none all I don't know yeah. There's all these questions going into 2024, but I think they all lead kind of the same place that um, this team is moving in the right direction. Yeah, and and you can also, you know, I, I think one of the most encouraging things is that these improvements have happened, you know, with a lot in the pipeline that, that's not up at the NHL level yet. Big time. That's a good point. Um, you know, I, I mean, ultimately, the, the Flyers still don't have that number one kind of defenseman in the pipeline that uh yeah anyway you, you could project as being that number one guy but i think they have a top three guy in in uh in bonk for example yeah. um you know i don't know when Michkov will be over but um you know but when he comes over uh, there's every reason to believe he's going to be a legitimate top line nhl player there's superstar. really no reason to doubt that yeah, yeah there's a superstar yeah. written all over him and and uh you know cutter gotier has massive offensive upside and, and second in scoring good. in the in the world juniors right now, and it's been all pretty much all assists except for the one goal, which is yeah, which is the opposite of his reputation. His reputation is yeah. is the shoot first kind of guy. If he can can find he can find other ways to contribute, and and listen, there's still for everybody. There's there's going to be a learning curve. I mean, you know, in, in Gautier's case, if he's going to be a center in the NHL, which is I think ultimately what the Flyers want him to be, he's going to have to get better defensively. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I, I think sometimes he runs around the D zone and that's 
you know, and especially, especially, you know, uh, I mean, I, he'll, he'll be a flyer next year. And yeah. Torts, will, Torts will still be here. Yeah, I think there'll be times when, you know, Cutter might sit for a while or he might sit a game mm-hmm. or two. Just, just always keep the big picture in mind that the the ultimate finished product is something to be excited about because the upside is so high with him. Yeah. And, and you know, other players as well. Um, you know, um, I think Emil Andre will be playing on the, on the power play in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think that going down to the AHL was a good thing from this year. So you, you can look up and down the system, see that they have two more first-round picks this year. Um, you know, the goaltending I, depth is stunning too. Goaltending depth, the oh. goaltending depth. I mean, we, we you know, uh, I mean, there's they have the 18 year old Zevragin in in Russia and, and setting he's, records. He's setting records. He's, he's already playing pro. He's playing in, yeah. in their version of the AHL at 18, and he has the goals against under one. Yeah, and, and he's 10 and 0. <laughs> Yeah. I think yeah. his save percentage is north of 950, yeah. which is, is which, which is absurd. crazy. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's, that's just, that's just one of the goalies in the system. Uh, you yeah. know, they have, it was, it was even their, the first goalie they drafted this last year. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty crazy. And Kolosov's a really good prospect. Yeah. I mean, some, somewhere along the line, one of these, one or two of these goalies are going to get traded, but yeah. you're trading from strength. And yeah. that's the and depth, yeah. That that's and that's the biggest thing when when you're making deals because then you can you can get what you want in, in, in return. You're not always, you know, and, and also the other piece of it too, in in getting what you want in deals, is where you're, you know, you have cap space to be able to take on a contract or two. Yeah, weapon because you because you're not you know you're not going to max it out during a year or so. Ultimately, being able to do some of that, you pick up extra assets, you keep developing, you keep building, and the Flyers have only continued to move forward in those regards. So those those are all things that uh, you know. One one year further out from from the end of twenty twenty three, you know, it's it, it, those things are shaping up too. So you know, the, it's really been it's really been a, a positive year in a lot of regards. Um, you know. I, I, it's probably too much to ask to jump up to contender status. In fact, it is too much to ask. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, the Flyers still are, are projecting as, you know, on a pace to be a playoff team. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing about it too, having the goaltending depth in a league, a 32 team league where, I mean, Bill, I would say out of the 32 teams, there's a solid 24 or not 24, there's about 20 of teams, 18 of the teams in the league that are dying for goaltending. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are dying. And I, I think maybe you could even get more for prospect goaltending than you can known commodity goaltending that's going to cost too much money and too much in a trade. Oh, 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 oh for sure. For, and, and we're talking about contending teams, too. Hey, we're, big time. Samsonov just got waived. Yeah, exactly. In, in Toronto. Exactly. Te- teams that you're coming in as, you know, Contenders to come out to come out of their conference. Yeah, and they, Bronte actually, got waived. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Jack <laughs> Campbell's been. I mean, this crazy year. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah, for, uh, for sure. And and uh, you know, like uh, or, or a team like Carolina, they haven't. Their goaltending hasn't been very good this year. You know, yeah. As an example. So it's you, you know, it's pretty much pretty much a, a much of the league, and that that's a that's a good position to be in. You know, to, yeah. to be able to leverage it and. And not have to rush into something either. You know, yeah. you, you wait you wait till the right deal comes to you. So yeah. 
Um, last thing, Bill, there was a report that came out about uh, Putin and contracts and some new rules in place. And I think it was kind of overhyped and uh, some scare tactics were put in place. Can you explain the new rule and why it doesn't affect a guy like Matt Vemichkov? Yeah, and it, it's not even at this point a, a rule. Yeah. Basically, what they what they want to do in Russia, and this isn't even a new story for crying out loud. This the story dates back to it, it first surfaced back either late August or early September. Yeah, it's really just it. a, it's really just a, radi- a reiteration of what was said several months ago. So it's not it's not even a new story. Basically, what they want to do is they want to tie players into contracts like the one that Mechkov was tied into. Yeah. Um, now, not not at sixteen like the Mechkov was tied into, but they um, they're really trying to prevent the youngest players from either coming over here to play in the CHL, which uh, you know for a while you were seeing quite a few Russians come over to play junior hockey in Canada, like um, Ivan Provorov did. Uh, Pro, yeah, Pro, yeah, Provorov. Yeah. Provorov came over, um, you know, played peewee hockey here, and then he yep. played. Uh, then he played the Western League. Yeah, they, they they don't want their top prospects like Provorov at that age coming over playing junior here, and they don't want their and they don't want their youngest pros coming over and jumping into the American League. Um, they 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 now if a guy's ready for the NHL, they're you know they're not stupid. They they know they're not going to stop. You know, they keep a guy down there forever. Yeah. So I I mean. So when Beachkov's contract is over, if it, if no agreement could be reached, he'll still come over in 2026 at the latest. Again, if if no if nothing can be done before that, so it's not going to put him put him in Russia for multiple more years or or whatever the case might be. And now you know now a, a guy like Zavragin, yeah, maybe maybe they tie him into a contract that keeps him there 23 or mm-hmm. yeah or whatever years old. But uh, in, in the case of a goalie, of course, that's. About when you want them coming over anyway, a lot of times. So. You mean exactly when Sorokin and Shesterkin yeah. came over at 25 yeah. years of age? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's yeah. it, it's really it's it's really much to do about nothing. The the best players will still come over and you know in time. Um, you know, I, I, in some cases, you know, I mean, listen, I said with, with Michkov, you know, it, it's kind of unfair that he got signed at 16 because he didn't know what he was signing. Yeah. Right. Way too young. <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, but at 16, all you're thinking is, hey, oh my goodness, it's a pro contract. And, you know, but, you know, but, but he, he, he's that rare, he's that rare case. I mean, he's a prodigy. I mean, most players need that time anyway. So the guy, the guys who can play, it'll be NHLers will will be coming over in, you know, in their due time. And really, I don't think it should, should affect, you know, unless, unless you feel that a player will be NHL ready sooner. And yeah. can make an impact sooner, which is you would draft that player earlier anyway. Um, I don't, I don't really see this as a, as a huge story. I don't. Yeah, and to compare it with Ivan Fedotov is ludicrous at well, best. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then that that didn't. I mean, that that was a case where, you know, it, it was. He's twenty eight too, by the way. A lot yes. different. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know. <laughs> It was in Russia. It's a you know, in any country that has like a it has a draft or mandatory military service. It's illegal to evade service. They yeah. had they had a, did it this summer in Finland. Yeah, he was he was still putting. Yeah, I mean they you know he was still putting in his his time. They could spread it out. And in in Russia, it's like if you're in in uh, enrolled in in I guess college classes or um, you know 
still still receiving an education and you can keep getting deferments on your military. Yeah. But um, you know, but in in the and, and I I'm and mind you, I'm I'm not blaming Fedotov because so many players in Russia had fake fake cards saying they put in their time yeah. and they hadn't. So he, he was simply doing what uh, he was probably advised to do and what any number of players had done and you know, he's made an example of. But uh, but his, his case is very different from a lot of these, a lot of these other players. And it's really, you know, it, it's 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 not a good example to, to say, oh, well, it was him and it's other guys, too. So. Bill, I don't mind the development of Michkov over there. And he comes over here in two more years on an ELC yeah. as a much more refined player. And then you got Cutter Gauthier kind of wrapping up in ELC for a year or two of that. Yeah. It really puts you in a good position for the for some really potent uh, roster building, considering you know, key members of the roster are gonna be on entry level contracts. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's and that that's so much of building, you know. When you're when you're trying to build an eventual um, Stanley Cup contender, you know, because you it, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna win a cup, you, know, you have to have a lot of luck too. It, yeah. It's a lot of good design, but it's also a lot of luck that's involved. Yeah, that's why and, you see cup teams get picked apart, like Tampa got picked apart. Coleman, uh, Barkley, Goodrow, key right. pieces, they all got picked out of there. As soon as they Palat, all the money. As soon as those guys were due money, they had to, they got to go. Yeah, they, yeah, I, they, they, exactly. They, you know, because those teams are already capped out. There's yep. there's money to be made, more ice time to be had, and you know, you have to get and you have to be lucky in the draft too. You know, you know when you can obviously you have to click on your first round picks, but when when Tampa picked Braden Point, for example. They didn't. Round. They didn't know what they were getting when they picked them. They 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 weren't saying, "Oh, well, we've just hit a home run," you know. Like they, this is a skill guy, and it all clicked for him. And that you're you're going to need some of those guys along the way. And Kucherov in the second round is Kucherov in the as second round. As it gets, yeah. And and you know, I I always gave the example of Boston's long running top line. Yeah. You know, now obviously Bergeron is retired, but he was a second round pick, and Marshawn was a third round pick. Yeah, you know, and then um, Pasternak was twenty five. Right? Pasternak was a late first round pick. Yep, you know, twenty seven. Uh, you know, and and yes, it's yes, it's good drafting, but it's it's also it's also a lot of good luck. Um, yeah. you know, good development. Yeah, so, so. In, in Marshan, it happened way later, but and then and uh, go to McAvoy as well. He's fourteenth overall. You know, I mean, you, you identify the need, you develop the talent properly, and you surround it with the right players, and and look what you can do. No doubt about it. All right, let's wrap it up there, Bill. Let's get on to uh, 2024 Rebuilds work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And coming up tomorrow, we'll preview Flyers-Oilers. They held Connor McDavid without a shot on gold the last time these two teams played. Way back in uh, on October 19th, the Flyers did that and beat the Oilers. So we'll uh, preview that coming up tomorrow. So everybody join us then on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.